You know, it's, um, it's amazing what's written in the Word of God, how long you can read it and how oblivious you can be to it. <laughs> the more you give yourself to the Word, the more of the, the truth you have. And you'd like to think God's going to get his word accomplished in the earth without you. He's not. The sad truth is he's not. He's not going to get his work done without his body. God knows everything. He's got a plan for your life. He needs your hands and your feet. If he calls us the body of Christ, Look, can you imagine your 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 head in a jar? <laughs> your mind's stuck, but it has no outlet. Can you imagine? I, I've thought of this, you know, the stories of people that are in comas, or they're people that are conscious, but they can't move their body, you know? They can sit there and they can hear everything that's going on, but they can't communicate. They can't move. In a lot of ways, that's how God feels, I think. I mean, he has a body. And to the degree that we're submitting, it works for him, you know. And he finds, he finds he's tremendous. At, it, he takes every advantage. He, he, can, he can work in, in such little, such little things. Don't ever dismiss the little things he tells you to do. So if he tells you to bring a bag of groceries to somebody, don't talk yourself out of it. I mean, there's tremendous things God can do with just tiny obedience. And you'd like to say that's not a great thing. If it saves their life, it's a great thing. Hmm. <laughs> I've, do you know it's amazing how he, you can follow God? And, uh, and do you know that <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't to put guilt or condemnation on you, but lives... Lives ride on your obedience or disobedience. You say, well, that's not my job. Somebody's job. Somebody needs to do something, say something. That was what uh, Cain said. I'm not my brother's keeper. <laughs> and we're all called to be our brother's keeper. Lives, everybody say lives. lives. Lives hang on your obedience. I can remember, <laughs> and what's amazing about God, I'm, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I am. It's, I heard it twice, so here we go. <laughs> uh, I went to a hospital. Every once in a while you get called to a hospital. And, and um, uh, n this guy, he was in a, a, a it was a serious situation, but I, I didn't know it was life and death. It, you know, we knew if it kept digressing, it would get worse. And I was sitting there, and and I was praying for him. And I I heard the Holy Ghost, and I'm I'm learning, all right. Everybody's learning, right? You know, there's a little bit of a learning curve. You don't you don't come out of the gate running all the time, right? You can't just. <laughs> You start with two plus two, then you start with your multiplication, then you start with, you know, math, you grow. I can't just give my kid an algebra problem, expect him to run with it, right? And even after you learn everything, then you put it into practice. You may come out of college with all the education in the world, but you go into an engineering job, you've got to relearn everything all over again because you don't know the application necessarily, whatever, whatever the field might be. And it's amazing how God is trying to teach each and every one of you how to be his hands and his feet, to bring his grace, to bring strength, to bring healing, to change lives and deaths. To, you know, do you see the walk of Christ? And he said, the works that you do, and the works that I do, you do also. Does that not save life? You know, does that not change people's course? You think people's courses weren't changed when they saw Lazarus rise from the dead? It says <laughs> many people believed on him after that. <laughs> You're his hands and his feet. 
I went to a hospital and I was praying for this guy and he was he was laid up. You could tell he was uncomfortable, but I didn't know he was going to die. And uh, and I was sitting there praying for him, and I didn't know him that well. And since uh, you know your your soul's like, well, best keep your thoughts to yourself. Don't say more than you know. <laughs> your your rational mind will talk you out of obedience, because your rational mind doesn't know squat. And, uh, and the Holy Ghost was trying to prompt me. He says, he's not receiving. You need to push him to receive. And I heard it. I, I said, you need to have him say after you, and you also need to have him, you need to tell him. You need to tell him, God is trying to heal you, but you're in the way. And I don't remember, that was basically what it was. It was something like, he has this belief about God that whatever will happen will happen type of thing. If God wants it done, it'll just fall on me, you know. He has a wrong perception. You need to talk to him. Did I talk to him? No. No. I prayed for him. I said a nice prayer. I, I said, be healed in Jesus' name. We... we by Jesus, oh, you, you listened to me. You thought, A plus. <laughs> and the next day he died. And, and what's incredible about that whole situation, like I'm one to beat myself up a little bit, you know. But there was such grace there and the Holy Ghost said, now you, you just, you're learning. You're learning. But you take steps. And it's one thing to be new to the truth. It's one thing to be a baby. It's, it's, it's one thing to kind of be testing your feet. But there comes a point with the truth of the word of God where you're, you're grown up, you're of stature. What, you know, there's a reason why they don't put little kids in jail. You know, like if they do something really bad, they're juvenile. There's a certain degree of they're not accountable yet. you know. And I don't know how you see that, but do you see what I'm saying? If you're a full-aged, full-fledged human adult and you kill somebody, that's on you. If a little kid got a hold of his dad's gun, that's not on them yet. What I'm saying is the truth of the Word of God, once it comes to full bloom on the inside of you once you understand it once you've got it once you once you're standing up and spiritually speaking you're not a baby crawling around there's accountability there there's understanding there and there's an expectation there and it says in James he says to those that know what's right to do and don't do it to them it's sin to them it's sin so there's an accountability. Everybody say accountability. With the truth of the word of God. That when you understand something. And I don't. Understanding is more deep than hearing it once. You know maybe you hear something once. It doesn't hit you. But there comes a place where you get it. It's time to act. It's time to be the body of Christ. See and I can learn that lesson. But it would be a mistake for me to keep learning that lesson. Over and over and over and you know God is long suffering, right? You can make the same mistake a thousand times and that thousand and one time you say, What I'm gonna be obedient be obedient to you? And you know what it, he's gonna be right there waiting for your obedience and he'll receive it. But see it says it says in Romans, be transformed, not conformed. And transformation can take a long time. <laughs> it could take a short time. You can go around that mountain 40 years. And you can go around it once and say, you know what, I don't like this. I'm going to change. <laughs> Anybody tried to run away from God? <laughs> no, you can be honest, huh? You run away from God? I've run away from God. Well, we see, it doesn't look like what you think it looks like. It's not like blatant sin out in the world and you go off crazy. Running away from God can just be not submitting one thing when he's asking you to. If you know what's 
what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it. You may look like the picture of perfect Christianity on the outside, but if he's telling you, you got to submit this, and you don't. Nobody else has to know, but he and you will know once you stand before him. You know? I've, I've shared this with you openly so you all know about it, but look, I, <laughs> sugar is my little addiction. And I, I've, I had the Holy Ghost tell me, he flat out told me a couple of years ago, he says, you know, you can get drunk on more things than just alcohol. And I had this giant Hershey kiss in my hand. You guys know my story, right? And he keeps working on me. He says, you know, you need to cut that. You have a mild sugar addiction. It's going to cut your life short. If I don't do anything with that, does he love me? Oh, yeah, he loves me. He's going to use me? Oh, yeah, he's going to use me. There's going to be a portion of my obedience that doesn't bear any fruit because I didn't do what he's saying. And you can say, well, you're going to be hard on yourself. I'm not being hard on myself. It's just truth. It's truth. It's a choice. Everybody say choice. And see, in people like religion. They don't like truth. They like to be patted on the head, made to feel pacified, okay. Don't want to offend you. Don't want to make me, don't make me accountable, <laughs> all right? Just, just sit, you know, they don't mind hearing verses as long as you don't check up on them. <laughs> but if you want change, if you want change, you have to be a good student of the truth. Be open to hear. Quick to hear. Amen. <clears throat> let's, start, let's start in John chapter 15. Or sorry, I want, I want to start in John chapter 5. And I ended here last week. Or I, I mentioned it last week. And you all know this verse. But, but this, this is just coming alive to me. That um, we're called to live dead can't kill a dead man right and uh, you say well I know that yeah I I preached that for years but I get it a little bit more now see because you're already dead right now you're already dead that's the reality of identifying with Jesus Christ is that in the flesh you're already dead you're already dead. I want you to see this in John. Gospel of John chapter 5. And he says it twice, in case you weren't sure. <laughs> now religion would like to put all of this on Jesus, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and he is. But the reason why he can do all of these things, all of the miracles and all the power and all of the all of the tremendous things we see in the Gospels, it's because he's God, not because he's a son. It's because he's God. He's got powers. <laughs> he's got powers. He's a God. <laughs> and look at this. John chapter 5, verse 19. And answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son. Who's the son? It's him. The son can do Nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he, he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. I'm reminded of that verse where the centurion, they, he bid Jesus to come and, and, and they wanted him to pray for his servant. And he said, he says, you don't even have to come. You remember this, sir? The centurion, he says, you don't even have to come to my house. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. For I too of a man under authority. You remember that? He says, and when I tell one to go, they go. And when I tell another one to come, they come. And if you would just do that same thing, I can tell you're also, this was the implication, you're also one under authority. That if you were to say go, this thing would go. And, and this is exactly the same thing. He's saying the son of himself can do nothing. But what he sees the father do. What's the, why is there power? Because he's obeying the orders that God has given him. 
He is simply a transmitter of the, the, the orders that God is giving him. And see, if order comes from Rome to that centurion, that centurion has authority because he submitted to the orders of Rome. That centurion, if he didn't obey those orders, he would have no more authority. He would have no more power. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, I'm, I of myself, of them, I can do nothing. And this is part of the problem in living alive when you should be living dead. You're called to live like Christ. And if you think you can do something apart from God, you're in the way already. He has no body to work through if you're the one working through it. Here's another way to say it. His will cannot occupy you and your will at the same time. You can't have both of your wills occupying your life. You will either serve one master. What did he say? It was about money. Money is the way you serve yourself. All right? You cannot serve God and money. You will either cling to the one or you'll cling to the other. You can't have both wills in you. The flesh and the spirit are contrary. They're contrary. Look at verse 20. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And I want you to know the truth. That's speaking of you too. You are sons and daughters of God. He didn't die to give you less life. He, gave, he died to give you his life. And I, you might as well just put that yourself in there. The Father loves you and shows you all the things that himself doeth. That's the whole point. You're the body. If the body doesn't know what the mind wants to do, how is it going to do it? <laughs> and he will show him greater works than these that you may model. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. And that's you. He quickened you from death to life. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which has sent him. <clears throat> if they don't respect the centurion, you better respect Rome that sent the centurion. If you don't respect the centurion, you don't respect Rome. If you don't respect the Son whom God sent, you don't respect the Father who sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Now, what's the death to life that you're passing to? It's spiritual. You are alive in spirit. You're, you're supposed to be alive in there. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Okay, this is the picture I saw. It. Your spirit went from death to life, and it has a desire to do the will of the truth and the word of God. But that body that's on the outside has been declared death. It also has a will. It's the will of the flesh and it's your own will. And those things are contrary so that you cannot do what you would. All right? Those two, they oppose each other. They cannot coexist. If your will is being done, God's will is not. That's, it's black and white. It's just, <laughs> that's the way it is. And if that hits you and you're in the... You have a choice. If, you, if you're getting hit like I'm in the flesh, well, don't stay there. <laughs> don't stay in the flesh. I know I am. I know I am. There's areas where I'm still there. I'm not going to stay there. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. It was in verse 25. I'll start there. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. He's not talking about being raised from physical death. He's talking about being raised in spiritual life. He's talking about being born again. And if you've been born again, I have news for you. The old man is dead. Everybody, shake this thing. <laughs> this guy is dead. This guy who used to live for himself if you've been born again, the whole point of being born again is you've got a new life, and it's not the old one. It's not the, we're not living for the old life. 
For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now he's, he's pushing forward to the point of resurrection where there is coming a day where everything's going to be on the same page. He's pushing forward. He says there is going to come a time where all are going to rise to one resurrection or another. Those that have lived for their own way and those that have lived for the truth. And they will be resurrected in the manner in which they lived. Okay. Now look at this verse 30. If it wasn't enough that he said it already, he said, I, verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. Jesus was in a place where he did not trust his own ability to do the will of God. He fought his will. He didn't do his will. And what I mean by that is Jesus had a will of his own. Do you think he wanted to go to the cross and die? I guarantee you, you don't sweat drops of blood fighting it, wanting, okay? There is a submission to God's will, and it is a fight. It's a fight, and it's your fight to fight. <clears throat> I can of mine own self do nothing. It's just like the centurion. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. See? And, and in our lives, we keep trying to mix them. We keep trying to put in a part of our will, and we keep trying to put in a part of His will. Make a mesh. They don't mesh. They don't work together. The will of the flesh and the will of the Spirit are not the same thing. They're not going to work together. They're not going to accomplish the same goal. They're opposing forces. All right? <clears throat> All right, let's go to, yeah. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but you all know these verses in Matthew where it says, and I think it was Matthew 16 where Peter said, uh, Jesus was telling them, I'm gonna have to go to the cross and die. And what did Peter do? He says, this, this should be far from you. You shall never do this, <laughs> And Jesus turned around and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, he didn't want what he saw, what part of what Peter believed, and part of what a lot of Jews believed, was that the Messiah was come to bring in an earthly kingdom, an earthly reign, where they were going to have their own power. And, and the disciples, part of their misconception about Jesus, even though they believed he was the Christ, they had some of those beliefs that they were getting in on the ground floor of this thing. And they were going to get to be buddies. You know, that's why they were asking, you know, can we, you remember uh, when it was John and James' mother that came to Jesus says, grant it when your kingdom comes. That one would sit on the right hand and one would sit on the left. And all the other disciples were mad at him. Why? Because they were only seeking themselves. They were only looking for themselves. See? <laughs> And that's when Jesus goes into that teaching about he who is least is going to be greatest. He who serves is going to be the chiefest. See? And who, who seems themselves to be great is going to be the least. It's a different way of looking at things. Amen. <clears throat> and it was after all of that, he says, if any man's going to come after me, he's got to deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And he told Peter that right after, right after Peter. He says, look, this thing be far from you. He says, the devil's got your mouth. Don't want me to do the will of God. Anyway. All right, let's go to, hmm, which one do you want? Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. There's old life and there's new life. And the old life doesn't 
doesn't get to speak, doesn't get to live, doesn't get to decide what you do. It's the new life that does, right? That's the transformation. That's putting on the old, or sorry, that's putting on the new man, taking off the old man, see? That transformation process, it's living life right now as though you have no natural earthly life. What we've been saying every week, we've been saying a dead man doesn't have ambition. A dead man can't be bought with greed. A, de a dead man doesn't care what you think of him. <laughs> Anybody give any, rep you know, you know any dead people that are worried about their reputation anymore? See, you're called to live dead, apart from this world. And you're supposed to let that newness of life, you, and see, this is, this is belief, really. Because believing is more than just mental ascending to understanding it. Believing is living differently. That if you really believe that your life is hid in Christ and that you're seated in heavenly places and the vast majority of your life is in the future, that is in heavenly things, not in earthly things. If you really believe that, there's going to be a transformation and a putting off of your natural current life right now. That you will live as though you are dead. Okay. <clears throat> There's a lot of Christians that are fighting for their rights in this culture. My right to do this and my right to do that. Because we're Americans and we believe in freedom and that's not wrong. But the gospel is mostly about giving up your rights. That if it stops somebody from getting saved, you'll give up your right. Uh, Paul said it this way. He says, I'm, I'm basically free to do anything. I'm free to eat meat. I'm free to drink. But I don't do any of those things. I make myself a servant to those who would be stumbled up by it. See? He says, for the kingdom of God is not in meat and in drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, That's the kingdom of God. It's not about accumulating your rights it's about giving them up a dead man doesn't need rights you don't have a right not if you're following christ look at colossians chapter 2 this is how you live with life okay you can try and keep that old man alive if you want but just look at your watch how many years you got left <laughs> you know it's running out or i, I guess if you want to but you're not going to live the life of god you're not going to express his will. You're going to express the old man's will. All right. Col Colossians chapter 2, look in verse 18. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. And, and this is mostly written about, I believe, about the Judaizers, the Jews that would come through. And they, they would some kind of agree that, that uh, Gentiles could be saved, but then they would try and put salvation in terms of works of the law, and they would they would put works on people. They would tell they would tell grown men they had to be circumcised, they had to keep the law. They would give them uh, tenants and feast days and new moons and all of that stuff that the law tells you to do, and they would put that on top of the work of Christ. And he's warning them, and he does it in every every epistle he writes. In verse 18, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. That's one of the things that some of those Judaizers did. Intruding into those things which they have not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head, who is Christ, from which all the body by joints and band having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, would you be subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. In other words, these things have an appearance of discipline, but they don't actually get you free from your flesh. They don't actually change you. It's Christ that changes you. And look at this, verse, verse 1, chapter 3. If you then 
be risen with Christ. See, how do you get risen? You've died. You died. Let's all say that together. I'm dead, and I'm risen again. See, that, that, that took place in your spirit. The challenge, what transformation really is, is that you live that way as though you're dead right now. You live as you're dead. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. Everybody say affection. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. In another place it says he's the friend of the world, is the enemy of God. Affections. In other words, you remember it says in, in Proverbs, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of it issues the life that you live. Well, now, in the New Testament, I mean, that was prophecy of what was supposed to happen. Now it's here. It's happened. And he's saying, set your affection. Whose choice is that? That's mine. Can, can God come in and change you and say, you need to change your course? He can tell you. <laughs> he can have somebody come tell you. But you have to do it. Set your affection. Everybody say, it's my job to set my affections on things above. See? And look, it's, how do I put that? You, if you have to have a new car, if you have to have, and I've been there, okay, but I'm preaching it myself, and I'm preaching at the, the dead people I'm looking at. <laughs> everybody, everybody with me, right? If, you, if your affection is so strong on the things of this world that it's what you're living for, something else has got you. If what you live for is the home, the security, I don't, I don't see in the Word of God retirement. Now, if you want to say you're retired from your current work, fine. But you're never retired from the life of Christ. <laughs> and if you're a servant of God, you're not retired. <laughs> you're not retired until you're gone. See, So, there is no good life the way the world speaks a good life. Don't be disillusioned or be insecure just because everybody else and most of the Christian world too is chasing after an affection of the world. They want, they love the world and the things of the world. They want the newest this and the newest that. They want to go party. Now look, there's nothing wrong to go to a football game. But if you live for football, if you're just, if your life end on repeat is tailgating, and beer, and drinking, and going to bars, and just having a good old time until you die, something else has got you. There's an affection there that's not set right. See. And see, we're called to live dead. And see, a dead man, and I used to, my, use, my flesh used to hear these verses, and they would say, oh, we can still have the car then. <laughs> we can still have the newest this and the newest that. If you're dead, you don't care what you have. You don't care as long as you're able to do what God tells you to do. And see, Paul, he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And I used to hear with my fleshly ears why God needed to take care of me because I wanted God to take care of my flesh. He's not promising to take care of your flesh. Your flesh is dead. He's promising to take care of you, and I mean the real you. He's promising to make sure you're okay. And if you live as though you're dead, he's able to use you that much more. See, people that aren't, they don't, they don't have their affections crucified. They don't have those things. You think if you live in fear of death, he's going to send you to places <laughs> where they, they'll kill you if you preach the gospel? He can't. Why could he send Paul? Because he counted himself dead. And we're going to read it here. And he wasn't just writing it for fun. It wasn't theory to him. He lived it. We're going to read it here. 
Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you believe that, your heart is going to be on those things and not on these things. It's going to be on those things. What are some of those things? The love of God. Peace of God. Hearing his voice above everything else. Coveting earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. It's those things. It's going to be, I need, I need the gifts in my life more than I need the newest toy. I need love. I need his power. I need my friends saved and healed more than I need a new car. That's set your affection on things above. I'm preaching to myself too, okay? I'm not preaching against you. I'm preaching <laughs> against the flesh that we all got, all right? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And that's what Jesus just said. There's going to come a day when everything's on the same page, okay? Your body and your flesh are going to be, your, your body and your spirit's going to be on the same page. Right now they're opposed, all right? Look at this, verse 5. Mortify, therefore. Why therefore? Because you're not dead physically yet. You count it as dead. All right? Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. And so, and here's some of the things that let you know if those members are being let to live. Fornication. Well, we don't have any of that in the church. Praise God. <laughs> uncleanness, inordinate affection. Well, we don't have any of that in the church, praise God. Evil concupiscence, covetousness. Well, we don't have any of that, praise God. <laughs> which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath, or for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to be found in that camp. In the which you also walked some time when you lived in them, but now you are also put off all of these. He's speaking in faith here, right? You're supposed to put these off. Put off anger. Well, we don't have any of that, praise God, <laughs> in faith. You see, if these things exist, then your old life, the flesh, is being allowed to live, Okay? I have, I, have, I have news for you. If, if you're committing fornication, your old life is living. I'm not, I don't know. If, I'm just saying it. It's what it says here. Okay? But now you also put off all of these, more than just those things, anger, wrath, malice. Anybody got malice towards anybody? He says you can put those things off. That's the old man. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. We don't, we don't need crass joking. You can, you can find more creative ways to be funny than that, right? Filthy communication out of your mouth, all right? Lie not one to another, See that you put, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, see, he goes after the obvious things, but then he goes after some of the subtle things of the soul. Lie not with one another? What does that look like? Anybody ever had the Holy Ghost convict them for lying? I have. More and more I try and say exactly what I mean. Jesus said this. He says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay and anything beyond that's evil. See? Somebody calls you and they say, well, I want you to come over for dinner on Saturday night. You don't want to go to dinner on Saturday night. <laughs> Why? Because you don't feel like it. You don't feel like it. So what do you say? Oh, we got other plans that night. You're a liar. You're a liar. That's what Jesus says. That's what he says. Let your yea be nay. Or let your, yeah, that's the flesh. Let your yea be nay right there. Once you tell the truth, once you walk in truth with people, it's so much easier once you get it used to it. You know, I really don't feel like doing it and I don't have a particular reason. I'm just not, I just don't want to come to dinner. I've been doing a lot. Just let, let the truth set you free. 
Why don't you come help us move all of this stuff with our apartment? Oh, I can't. I can't. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I won't. <laughs> I won't because I don't feel like it. If, you might as well be honest, right? These are more subtle things. Truth. Speak truth. Let's go a little bit deeper. If you commit to do something and you don't do it, is your word worth anything? Do you think, you're called to be like your father, right? Called to be like your father. And you say, I, the Holy Spirit will call you on your own words. Do you know that? Like if you put your word out and say something, and even if you do it for the wrong reason, you say, oh, I do it, and you feel like you've been pressured into it, but you said it, you better do it. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man and his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Now I want to hit a couple more of these verses where he flat out says what I've been talking about. We got two more and then we'll be done. One of them you know for sure, but we're going to go there. Go to Galatians chapter 2, and this is the one I believe most of you know. You could accuse Paul of being some things, but you couldn't accuse him of being a hypocrite. <laughs> I've, I've marveled at the level of truth that he walked in, that even though he was one that persecuted the church, he didn't let who he used to be keep him from being who God called him to be. I, I mean, could you imagine shrinking up inside, knowing what you'd done? And he says, I don't look at those, at one place he says, I don't look at those things that are behind. I keep pressing toward the mark. He could have let who he used to be put him into obscurity. He could have let who he used to be, he would have believed in Christ and become a nobody because what, what right do I have to speak on the tenets of Christianity? But he not only got past that, he spoke the truth even to Peter. And look, there was a place here, you can read about it in Galatians chapter 2, where he stood up to Peter in his face and said, you're being a hypocrite because you eat this kind of, he basically, Peter wasn't, eating kosher anymore he believed he could eat pork praise god and so he was doing that with the gentiles but then the jews came and he withdrew himself so that they wouldn't see and and he says you're compelling them to live a, a lie all right all right now look at this now at the end of all that we'll start here in verse uh We'll start in verse 16. Galatians 2, verse 16. 15, verse 15. We who are Jews by nature, and that's you guys too, and not sinners of the Gentiles. You know, he, he wrote this to Gentiles. So we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I, everybody say I, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. He's like, you started out in grace and you started out believing Christ is your righteousness. You started out believing you of yourself can do nothing. Continue that. If you're going to build it again the way you used to live, you're just transgressing your own self. For if I build against the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am, and here's the verse, I am crucified with Christ. He, present tense. Present tense. He lived as a living sacrifice. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
yet not I. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the garden? Not my will, but thine be done. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, this house doesn't get to rule you. You rule the house. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He counted himself currently dead. And part of the reason you can hold this book in your hand and read it is because he was not afraid to die for it because he counted himself as dead already. He set up all of these churches that founded the church and he went through <laughs> he went through a lot. You know all he went through. Let's go to one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll be done here. Oh, there it is. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But to what end here? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves and he's just not talking about you know come to church theoretical i'm dead i'm i'm died with christ this is not we did a message a couple weeks ago faith is not theoretical it's if you believe it you're gonna you're gonna walk it out and you know, put your money where your mouth is so to speak right faith isn't theoretical if you believe it you're gonna live it and see, Paul had come to such a place of mortification that he counted his own life as already dead with Christ that he could be obedient to do some of these hard things. There was other disciples like that. I'm remembering now. Do you remember Ananias? Not the Ananias that kept back the portion of his property, but the Ananias that got Paul saved. Do you remember what he had to do? It says he was praying and Jesus appeared and told him, gave him precise instructions. I said, I want you to go to the street called Straight. Go to this person's house. In there, you're going to find Saul of Tarsus. And you're going to preach the gospel to him. He's, you know, and he says, uh, Lord, <laughs> this guy, that I know of him. <laughs> and it's because he's killing us. Are you, are you sure you still want me to go? You remember this story? See, if you believe that your life is dead here, you're going to do what he says. And he went and he found that guy. And he didn't know any better. All he knew was that guy had persecuted the church. It'd be like, you know, hey, you heard of ISIS? I want you to go to this story. There's an ISIS guy down the street. You know? <clears throat> I don't think so. I don't think so. Bet me. Well, that guy's not going to hear. You know? How dead are you? How dead are you? What orders can you hear? Do you imagine a soldier that won't hear certain orders? No, I'm not doing that. Well, what, what can we get you to do? <laughs> He's patient. He's long-suffering. All right? But uh, let's submit. Let's, let's die to ourselves. Ananias went and talked to him. And in faith, it says, it says he says, before he even witnesses, he calls him Brother Paul. Brother. You remember that? He says, Brother Paul, the Lord sent me. That's faith in God. That's not caring about your own life. That's not cowering in fear. Look at this. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves in a much more literal sense that we should not trust in ourselves 
but in the God which raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. You get to hold this book in your hands partly because there was a, a dead man that ran around this earth, didn't care about himself, only cared about getting the life of God accomplished. See, and if you, if you count yourself wanting to, if you set your affections on those things, it's going to change how you walk. It's going to be visible. You're not going to care about the things of this life. Your heart's going to be focused on him. You're not going to care what you wear, what you drive what you eat. And Jesus said it this way. He says the life is more than what you wear. More than what you eat. You can have the good life for a couple of years if you'd like. I think I'm going to go ahead and start living the new one. Amen. Amen. Well, Father God, I ask you to impart your grace and your strength I hear your gentle nudge of the Spirit calling us and pushing us, pushing against those natural thinking, natural reasonings that keep us from doing what you've told us to do. I know on the other end of our obedience has changed lives. And conversely, the, on the other end of our disobedience is unchanged lives. So we choose we make a choice to see ourselves in the light of the truth that we are dead with Christ right now and we're going to live that way while we're here and we're going to live for you and follow you. We won't treasure this life. We're going to treasure those things that are above. We're going to set our affections on things above. We want to see your love, your gifts, your power, your joy, and your peace. We want to obtain all of that treasure. We want those things to be overflowing in us so that we have them to give to others here. I thank you for working in every vessel that's here. And I thank you for how pleased you are with how far we've come. By your grace and your strength, I thank you that you're continuing to empower us to take those steps to bring us into fuller stature of the sons and daughters of God so that we can be about the same mission, that your mind has expression through this body and we can get your will done on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.